Hey church, welcome back to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. Um, I'm here with Sam Choi. He preached a sermon uh, called God's Beloved Family. And so today we're going to, going to ask uh, three questions. Um, number one, what did you say in the sermon? Number two, um, what do you wish you said or said differently? And number three, um, what do you wish? I messed it up. <laughs> yeah. What couldn't you say? What couldn't you say? There yeah. it is. Which is things I purposely left out for the sake of the sermon, and now I can share with you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. It's only second one here. So. You, well, it's a third. Or third. Maybe. That's right. So I'm, I'm yeah. failing already. <laughs> you guys should see Daniel. He's standing up right now as I sit, and he's just hovering over me because... <laughs> He's been running around doing all the work. I think he just needs to stand or he'll fall asleep on this podcast <laughs> during this interview format. Thing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I'll keep him awake, guys. <laughs> yeah. Sam, tell us about your sermon. What did you say this last Sunday? Yeah. So the basic premise is that we are a family. Church is a family. We're a beloved family. And um, without repackaging everything, I think my big thrust I was trying to shape is that we don't, as a church, do family-like things because we need that or we're lonely or because even God commands us to do family-like things. All those things are true. We we need each other and all those factors are true. But fundamentally, church is a family. Church is not something you just sign up to like a like a, a show. You know, hey, you going to the show this weekend or you going to the concert? Are you going, oh, I'll see you next Sunday. It's it's a people you are committed to. And you are a part of because of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to emphasize the word beloved instead of just saying we are a family. We're a beloved family because all of it is rooted in the fact that God has first loved us mm-hmm. and called us into his love relationship within the Trinity. And he has adopted us and we've been chosen. And so from that foundation of this, this radical adoption and security, we are now free to love one another like we've never loved before. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have that love foundation, then we're going to just turn into legalists. We're going we're gonna to struggle a lot because part of being in a family is it's tough Mm -hmm. because you're becoming a family with a ton of messed up people who are broken and and if we don't have the love of christ binding us together fueling our love for one another then we're gonna basically fall apart and that's why there is no other institution or other um, example in out throughout history like the church where people are brought together because of Jesus who are from different ethnicities, different socio backgrounds, different um, uh, ethnic or or political. I mean, every kind of, of wall that separates us is tore down because of Jesus. So now I'm just kind of just going on tangents and preaching. But um, yeah, that, that was the main point is that we are family. If we, and if we believe we're family, we'd live a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else? I, I mean, I could re-preach the sermon right now and just start going through it, but I mean, that was the main main heart behind it. Check it out um, if you want to go into it more. Yeah. yeah. You t- Would you touch on just a little bit more how, how our identity precedes yeah. our, our action? I yeah. Mean, I think you're hitting on that. Sure, but. sure. Yeah. I mean, so that's the, begin- that's the whole series, this three-part series of identity. And we, you said it right, like our identity precedes action. And so often we focus on action without addressing the underlying belief of who we are, mm-hmm. right? And so we use that illustration from that book, Atomic Habits, where someone is asked, hey, you want to smoke? Person A says, uh, no, I'm trying to quit, which what does that communicate? That communicates they still believe that they're a smoker, mm-hmm. that, that they're trying to go against what they actually want, 
no thanks. I'm trying to be faithful to my wife, right? Like, <laughs> hey, you want to hook up with me? I really would like to, but I shouldn't, right? right? Like, versus I don't do that. Yeah. I'm committed to my wife or I don't smoke, right? So the second person who responds that way to the uh, potential hookup or the, the, the you know, um, addiction, um, they, they're fundamentally thinking that's not who I am anymore. Yeah. And so often in the world, um, in anything that we do like dieting and, and so forth, or, uh, more fundamental, more important in the church spiritually, we ad- address things at the very action level. So, mm-hmm. um, I need to start reading my Bible or I need to start doing these things. But fundamentally it, when you peel back the layers in the heart of hearts, we still believe we are something else. Mm-hmm. And, ultimately you your identity will catch up to you mm-hmm. you can dress up like that for a certain season but it will ultimately come back to you um and so if you don't truly believe your family then ultimately those that belief system will rise to the top in the mo- uh in in the moment of conflict yeah. where you'll just be like oh i'm done with you you know like oh i quit i'm not i'm, I'm not coming back to this church anymore or i uh or when someone's in need you immediately start rationalizing well well they should have you know you know i need to take care of myself and and, and so so my my funds are for me each to their own and all of a sudden all these worldly ways of, of operating come out because fundamentally we still have never been changed in our thinking mm-hmm. that we are a family um so yeah that's that's kind of what i what i went on yeah um and that kind of leads to the second thing about what um, wish what I said, wish I said differently. Oh yeah. You know, I said it briefly, but I didn't really hone in it. The reason why I didn't talk about the practical outworkings of what would it look like if we're not a family is because I just know this at the end of the day, I can give all these reasons, uh, all these practical steps of how to live like a family, mm-hmm. right? Well, I'll talk about those. That's what I'm going to share in my th- in the third part of the segment. Um, third segment of this podcast. However, I just know that if you really believe someone's your family, you just start creatively thinking of ways to live like a family. Yeah. Like you don't need to be given a, 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 the, the playbook of this is what you should do, right? Like you will, by the by God's common grace and by the spirit, will give you ideas. So for instance, I use this example at the end of the sermon. Um, if I were to say, hey, what if you got a phone call and your parents told you or your, you know, someone told you like, you, Sam is literally your brother. Mm-hmm. You, surprise, right? <laughs> You would all of a sudden think about me differently, most likely, and mm-hmm. you probably do things differently. Mm-hmm. And no one has to really tell you that. Like we intuitively, even though even those of us growing up in broken families or less imperfect families, we intuitively know that you do differently. You treat differently people who are your blood family. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I just really wanted to hammer in. That's why I didn't get to the practical steps mm-hmm. because I just know that everyone everyone believes it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Yeah. So we'll be touching on uh, servant and missionary in the coming weeks right. uh, on this in this identity series, um, which is the same thing, right? Yeah. If you like, we can give all these like, hey, try serving this way, serve this. But if you really believe you're a servant, you're just, and if you really believe your family, you're just gonna come up with ways to serve. That's right. Because you have eyes, yeah, and you have ears. You eventually figure out, and you have a spirit. Yeah. Same thing with missionary. That's right. If you're a missionary, even if you're terrible at sharing the gospel, if you really believe that, you're gonna start thinking the way. Okay, how can I incarnate my life into those I work, play, and live with? Right. Like it just. So, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that you wish you would have said differently or do you want to move into third? You know, you, you, during the, um, you know, we have this really long, extensive, like pre-show prep, <laughs> not really, but <laughs> Daniel mentioned, he said Trinity. Um, and it just, I didn't even mention that. Like we are, we are being invited into the community of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. 
And God is fundamentally a family within himself, self-sufficient in this beautiful love relationship. And he opens it up to us to be part of. And so the the church is built upon that, the reality that it's always been about community. And we're now being being brought and grafted and adopted into this beautiful community, Mm. the family, the one and only, like the first, the last, the never-ending family. Mm. I think that's beautiful. There are some crazy implications to that. Yep. If we're invited into the the family of God and we call God our Father, um, what are a couple things that you you might mention that yep. some of the implications of that? You you had an illustration about your son. Yeah. Um, could you just share yeah. some, some of that? Elijah, like so often, we struggle in community with one another because we are afraid of rejection. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of really showing our real self. We're, we're afraid of pressing into hard situations. We're afraid of how we'll backlash and so forth. And there's lots of other ways that fleshes out. But if we truly believe that there's nothing you can do to be rejected because you've already been adopted. And mm-hmm. when you're adopted and you can't lose that, right? We, we believe that scripturally that God, when he will finish what he starts, you know, apart from rejecting Christ, you can do nothing to be rejected from this family. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard um, John Mark, Comer has a great helpful sermon on community, and he quotes, I think, is it Jack Frost? Who, or, or, no, Jack Frost. Jack Frost, <laughs> Jack Frost, Jack Frost is like a, a snowman, right? Oh, I guess. Uh, some, some, some author. Well, Jack London, maybe? I don't, I don't know. But he says, family, home is where they have to take you in. Or something like, you know, foam yeah. is no matter what, you they got to take you in. And it's just this beautiful picture, very pessimi- pessimistically kind of phrased. But, like, if you really believe that we're in, and what, how you know, that just frees you up to be real. And that's why getting the ring on is so important in marriage. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, when, no matter how hard you do, you try to be authentic. Mm-hmm. When you get that ring, you got that covenant, that ceremony, people start, like, letting their guard down. Mm-hmm. Right, you probably experienced this in this, you know, you just celebrated one year. Yeah. You just see different things that start coming out. But because you have the commitment first, you have the freedom to have intimacy and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And to have a healthy relationship, you have to have the freedom for vulnerability and um, accountability. And and what holds it together is the the commitment. Mm -hmm. But so often we commit once we can believe that those things will um, like first uh, once we have enough time to get to know you. Oh, I won't share that until I get to know them better. Right, but the church is this beautiful thing that like we don't even need to do do that. Like if you're my brother, I can entrust with you and, and obviously there there's wisdom and boundaries and trauma and certain things like that, and I don't want to broad brush over all that. But there's a sense that um because of Christ what he's done, like I'm already committed to you before I hear anything. Yeah. And you can't lose me. Yeah. Like that's a disposition towards you. Um, and so if we really believe that we're all accepted in that way in the beloved and we are adopted. I mean, that would just free up people from to be real mm-hmm. and for them to get the help they need and for them to get the love that they need. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're not being real, no one can love you because you're not – we can't love a false you. Mm-hmm. And the reality is a lot of us in the church, we have these false masks on. And so you're not actually being able to experience true intimacy because you can't be intimate with something that's not true. Yeah. And so I think the mass would come down and intimacy and joy and killing of sin and intimacy with God would all rise if we would just really grasp the reality that we're already accepted. Mm-hmm. Like we, we belong before we do. Mm-hmm. And, and I said this, we, that's only because Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing. The gospel leads to this, right? Because Jesus has done, we can belong mm-hmm. without doing 
contrary to the world that you have to do to belong. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just so freeing. So yeah. freeing. That's so good. Yeah. So our identity precedes our activity. Yeah. Um, let's talk some more about the uh, activity. Uh, yes. What, what do you wish that you yep. could have said? What couldn't you say? Yep. I had a whole um, section that I cut out. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, oh, you know, I do have to say one thing. My wife asked me, what makes us not a cult? <laughs> because I said, didn't that sound like a cult? Or when I shared how, what would it look like if we lived like the, the first century church, uh, their mindset of strong group society, which means that all their decisions were based off of the good of the people, not the individual and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. When you read that, it sounds very cultish, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason, and here's the little side thing. The reason why I think it's not a cult is one, um, in cults, usually everything comes up to serve the leadership mm-hmm. and, and the way that God, God has set it up. He did a reverse triangle where we're the servants, the, the pastors are the lead servants mm-hmm. to make, to have the good of the people. That's right. Um, also, we don't control the knowledge. The knowledge is disseminated to everyone. Everyone has access to the word. Mm-hmm. Anyone can challenge us and check us. It's not like we have the sole authority. Like, hey, we'll get you get back. We're going to go talk to our God and tell you the answers, right? Like right. we have the priesthood of all believers. Anyone can check us. We can be removed from our offices mm-hmm. um, if we're in sin. And we, there's a code that binds us all together that we're under also that we're not above. Yes. Um, and everything is voluntary out of joy. Mm-hmm. Like even in Acts chapter two, when you see that they had everything in common and they shared, oh, let me, I, just, I have it open here. It says, um, all who believed were together. This is Acts two forty four, and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Mm-hmm. And later on, you hear about Barnabas. Um, sorry, you hear about Ananias and Sapphira. They were giving money, uh, and they said it was all. And they get they die because they lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter literally says, "You didn't have to give it all. Mm. You didn't have to do that. Why did you lie about that? Like you, it was free." And I mean, so that's another difference between a cult or, or even like socialism. Here, people will think this, this is socialism. Well, the reason why it's not is because this is out of an overflow of gratitude and joy of the gospel and love for one another. Mm-hmm. And you're doing this out of freedom. Not mm-hmm. everyone was literally giving up everything they had. Um, and so there was just like this, it, it just, everything that you smell of a cult is gone here. It, yeah. There's, I mean, there, there are likeness of like commitment, mm. but like, but if you leave, like we bless you and we, we treat you like an unbeliever and love you and pursue you. We don't cut you off and treat you like a evil person. You know, like, this just it just breaks down so many levels. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And just one more thought yeah. on that. The leader of our of our family is yeah. the firstborn That's right. son, Jesus Christ, right. who is God, who humbly submitted himself. That's right. This leader is is the one uh, that we follow, and he is the servant of all. So we just to just to solidify that we're we're, right. we're not following a particular you know leader uh, other than Jesus Christ. That's right. So yep. he is our yep. chief shepherd. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's good. Um, yeah. That's why it's just oh, man. This is dangerous, right? But like this term, senior pastor, mm-hmm. right? If we believe Jesus is the chief shepherd, which is another word for pastor. Mm-hmm. Senior pastor, chief shepherd. It just seems yeah. too similar. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Jesus is the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Jesus is, is is the chief shepherd. Anyway, sorry if you if you're a senior pastor and you hear this and your friend. Um, <laughs> I just think it just is a weird thing that we we have adopted in the church. Like you, we, we don't get senior pastor out of the Bible. Yeah. You know. Anyway, that's just 
side weird thing. All right, so how should we now live, right? So if we truly believe, if we establish that first, and the reason why you have to establish that first is because we don't want anyone to dress up like this if they don't believe it's true. Mm-hmm. We don't want people just to act like it. Now, there is something to be said is you, you start acting what you're not, and over time that can start shaping the way you view yourself. So there's yeah. truth there. So here are some practical steps. If you really believe someone is family, um, here's a couple of things. Um, you would be committed, and in my MC, we sat down and we got a whiteboard and we start writing it down. So here's a couple of ones. We would be committed to making relationships work. Mm, you have a yeah. number of siblings. Have you ever had a point where you were like upset at them or you had a disagreement and someone said, well, but they're family. You're like, you got to work it out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think we've all have seen that either in movies or we experience it ourselves where there comes to a point where there's relational tension that because you're family and only because you're family, you're like, I'm going to have to make it work. Yep. I'm going to have to talk to that person. I'm going to confront them. And and if we really believe we're family, we would have that same kind of mindset in the church, yep. which often we don't. We we're, Because we're so individualistic and we think church is more of a club, you can join in and out and go to the other club that you like better. We just cut people off when it, they don't fit what we um, fit fit our needs or they hurt us. And in family, you just, through thick and thin, you make it work. Yeah. That's one. Another one is sharing of resources. That includes time, talents, money, possessions. Mm. In a healthy family, what's yours is mine and what mine is yours. And all of us have different resources and different things at our possession, but it's all God's. And yes. so therefore it's all ours. Yeah. I mean, do we really believe it? There is something true to the sense that you, God has entrusted you to steward certain things that, that he's not entrusted me. Yeah. But in the same time, it's all his. Mm-hmm. And so we're just interchangeably stewarding different things. And if we really believed the family, I wouldn't be like, you know, calculating you on, on, you know, if I lend you something or if I gave you something, you know, it just, right. Yeah. Um, and with that said, that also raises the bar for accountability also. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. This is something that I shared in my MC that's been really terrifying to me. Is I was thinking, okay, if I want to continue to follow this line of thinking, if we're family, then that means your debt is my debt. And that's like, right? That's one thing if your debt is just like a two My debt yeah. is your debt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if we really believe, like, your triumphs are my triumphs, your weaknesses, your loss are my loss. Yeah. then I should have some sort of ownage, ownage. Not to say that I'm sole responsibility, but as a community. There, there are certain people in my missional community who have lots of debt. Mm-hmm. And some of it is due misfortune, and a lot of it is also due to um, mismanagement yeah. or spending or different like things. And so that just raises the bar of accountability for them also yeah. to make sure that, hey, are you stewarding your funds well? You know, we're not all like, into, oh, well, just each to their own. You don't know, yeah. like, no, I, your finances are important because they're connected to your worship in your heart. And so I should care about how you're handling the God, money God entrusted you. And therefore, I need to care about how can I help you get out of that hole of debt. Yeah. And that's just like, holy moly, like yeah. that's just taking it to next level stuff. <sighs> so you, that it, it is. <laughs> Sam, not everybody views family like that yeah. in, our, in our American culture. Sure. Um, you mentioned, I mean, it's it's more typical than saying our our church is our family, yeah, or, yeah. you know, this, this sort of thing. Sure. But you mentioned even something that I think would be helpful even to that point about the, the New Testament view of a family. Yeah. Can you just speak briefly to that? I don't know if that, yeah, if you think sure. that fits in. Well, I mean, the New Testament view of family, 
um, Jesus' context when he's talking about family, he's thinking about something a lot more intense and robust and everything about your decisions in life, how you spend your time, your money, your careers, your talents, everything were filtered through the good of the family or not. Yeah. Even your job would be basically based off of what your parents did. Yeah. You were just kind of boxed in. And mm-hmm. that, that was really unfortunate in many ways and also very fortunate because they didn't have all the issues of the, the paradox of choices, right? Mm-hmm. Like their lives were more simple. They didn't have to like, hey, what are you going to do your whole life? Like, I know, you know, it just was simple and they could just focus on the simplicity of life. And so there's something really beautiful and helpful, but also there's unhealthiness to that too. Um, but uh, so, so that context was um, extremely family oriented. And so that means that like if your family was struggling, that would, it would be a no brainer to be like, oh, well, I'm quitting school now. Right. We, we see this in other cultures where people would be like, oh, well, why didn't you ever pursue your dream of playing in the, in the professional sports? Mm-hmm. Well, my mom got sick, and so I mm-hmm. quit school, and I just worked full-time right. as a 16-year-old. That's normal in most many cultures outside of ours. Our mm-hmm. culture would be more like that would be harder. Not, not to say that no American family would do that because we, we know stories of people doing that. Mm-hmm. But it's just harder to do that because it's very kid-centered, whatever mm-hmm. their dreams are. And so and similarly, like we know that – like. I know the one MC family knows that um, I know a few families in RMC who they, their parents are going to struggle, are struggling financially, and they just immediately assume, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to take care of them. Yeah. Right? We assume that. We don't assume that in the church. Right. <laughs> like, we assume, like, oh, well, be warm and fed. God will take care of you somehow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, like, if we really, like, transfer that thinking over, not only the first New Testament, but even in, in, in the best cases of American families— we think, well, my family didn't doesn't have much retirement, then therefore they're probably going to live with me someday. Mm-hmm. We just don't think that way with each other, right? And certainly, there, Jesus does not destroy family. The reality that there is something about a blood family, right? Mm-hmm. Paul even says, like, if you don't take care of immediate family, you're worse than an unbeliever. So there's yeah. something there, and so he's not dismantling that. But we can't forget the the fact that. Man, the church is all we have outside. Like there, there seems to be a. Uh, um, layers of responsibility and proximity. For instance, like if my, um, my mother is part of our church, let's say, and she is struggling financially, it seems that the scriptural, um, call is for us, my immediate family to take care of her. Yeah. But if we're not there, if we don't exist, then it's the church, Mm -hmm. right? So there are like layers and spheres of proximity and responsibility, Mm -hmm. but still like we just, even with that understood and nuanced, we just don't think that way. Right. Um, and so like there was a gentleman in our community who, who's kind of left our community, an older gentleman, very dear to me. And I know that his retirement wasn't very robust. Mm. And I just immediately have, I started thinking, okay, how can we take care of him? Yeah. And it's just, and I was grateful because that was just a move of grace in my heart where part of my heart was also thinking, well, well, you know, he, he's his own individual. He has to take care of himself. You know, and just mm-hmm. that's not the that's not the church. That's not family. So that's what I would say about the sharing of resources and 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 that would include gifts and talents. Like if you have, you have skills, it's all it's all each other's, right? It's all the Lord's. This may be too big of a question as uh, a follow up, but I'm just curious how you how you'd answer. So in our day and age, there are a lot of resources. Yeah, um, yeah, for for hurting people. That's right, and and even within the church, like we might recommend uh, someone go and, and utilize those resources that our uh, maybe our, our state or our government yeah. Um, yeah. opens up. But, but how would, is, is there something that the church uh, 
should be doing or should we be fulfilling um, those needs uh, above and beyond? Or even should the church be actually the ones fulfilling those needs yeah. in place of, of government yeah. assistance? How yeah. do you, how, that might be a that's question so, for our brother Ross, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that would be up his alley for sure. Yeah. I think it's both. And like yeah. government is a means of grace that God is, and it's common grace that God has given us that we want to utilize, but we don't want to depend on. Right. And I find it problematic that with our day and age, with credit cards and with social security and different um, social programs, you could be best friends with someone in the church and they could be going through intense need Mm -hmm. and they never need you. Right. They can just look to other things. And the way that our culture is moving is they want it to just increase. Let let the government take care of all that stuff. Right. And I would just say that there's a lot there in, in comments I'm going to suspend for now, um, and I need to continue to think through that more carefully. But I think that really hurts our ability to love one another. Mm-hmm. I think in one way, because we're living in this, this land that has plenty, it really hurts our ability not only spiritually to grow and need the Lord, right? Like the rich man, rich young ruler kind right. of syndrome, but also like it, it, we just don't depend on each other. Um, and we have all these handicaps that hide and mask our brokenness. Right. So like a lot of people in the States – we struggle with our finances, not because of lack of income, but but, but the lack of wise stewardship. Yeah, I mean, that, the, I mean, the numbers are there. It's 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 not about the lack of how much money you bring in. It's the standard of living we have and the, the way we go about things and lack of savings and all that kind of stuff. And so, like, it masks all this brokenness mm-hmm. because we just have these safety nets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's dangerous. Why so so, are you saying uh, application? Church, we should be we should be sharing our, our needs, even if we yeah. end up going yeah. and utilizing yeah, right. resources elsewhere. That's good. That's good. We should not bypass yeah. uh, letting our church uh, process with us, pray with us, yeah. and even give them opportunity to first meet needs right. before before running to other things. Yeah, that's right. It, that's what a true family does. They 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 talk about those things, sure. and and they're. Uh, they're looking for ways to serve each other and even get, even provide counsel yep. for, the, for the best steps forward. So can, can I can I just get real super real? Not long ago, um, I brought to the elder team and I said, "Listen, guys, um, we we were eligible for food stamps. Food stamps are come have come a long way. Like you get this like credit card now, and it's like five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars depending wow. on your family. You right. can spend it on like anything, like not like anything, but a lot of things." And, um, and we totally like, we would not be working the system in the sense that we are eligible within the conference. And I shared that with the team and they just all felt like, you know what, let's just take care of you. Like if you're in need, let's just help you. And so we got to draw a little bit just for two months out of the helping hand funds, Mm. just $200 total out of two months just to help us out. And they're like, don't. If if that's a problem, if you're financially like, let's just help you more rather than go there. Mm. Uh, and not to say that we could, I couldn't do that. It would be ethically wrong. Um, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky because we can't. I know technically, we, as a government, we cannot afford the social programs we have long term. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we're just pull, getting in debt. So that there, that's an ethical thing that you have to wrestle with too. Is yeah. Like, like I'm on state insurance yep. and it's a gift. It's such a gift. We've mm-hmm. saved so much money. Right. But I, at the same time, no, we can't save. So that's another conversation that I feel out of my league in 
in the complicity of being part of a system that is not sustainable. Anyway, that gets out of the, the realm of what we're trying to share. The I third, think that's helpful. Yeah. Really, really good. Thank you for answering yeah, this. Yeah. The third thing is sharing joys and pains, right? If we truly believe we're a family, I would really believe that your pains are my pains mm-hmm. and your joys are your, my joys. Um, one of the guys in our group, and uh, uh, he, he was looking for a job for months and months, and I just literally felt it like, oh, right. all, the, all the no's, all the people who – led him on and then didn't follow up and I was just so frustrated and then when he got the job I literally felt like it was my birthday it was like yeah. yes yes you know and it's just it was a sweet thing to show how I've I've grown out of grown more out of my individualism and that was a, a win for us and this is why there's a catch a phrase I would love for us to catch as part of our culture in our church if you have a problem I have a problem hmm yeah. Rather than if you have a problem, I'll pray for you. Yeah. Yeah, you should pray for them, but it's your problem too now. Right. Um, that's just so anti our mindset that it's going to take time. That would transform yeah. a community. Yeah. <laughs> like that, is, that would transform a community if, if everybody lived like that. Yeah. That's good. Um, everyone belongs. Um, if In a family, everyone belongs to the family. Like, there's not like, a, oh, you're less of a choice. Like Eden's kind of part of my family, but not like everyone is equally part of a family. Um, and either you're in or you're out and you get the full privileges and responsibilities of being a family. Mm-hmm. We have the same father. Family. Yeah. Same father, right. same inheritance, male, That's right. female. That's right. It's good. Um, also, you'd be vulnerable and authentic. And that kind of goes to the acceptance piece. Like a healthy family takes off their mask. In fact, a healthy family gets ticked off at you if they find out you've been hiding struggles. Yeah. Right. Like if like you and I are close enough to know that if it were to come out six months later that I've been struggling with like cancer, I've been going to like operations on my own. How would you feel? I would, I would be really frustrated. Yeah, I would be like, sad. Yeah, I'd be like, dude, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you tell me? Right. Yeah. Right. That's how you feel in family. Yeah. Right. People you love. You're like, dude, why would why wouldn't you tell, don't you know I love you, right? And like family gets that, like, yes, that holy frustration and we take offense when people hide because we want to know them for who they are and love them. There's just this authenticity that is bred. Yeah. Um, here's, here's the final one that I, I pointed out. There's a lot of, a lot of them, the list was really long, but we kind of like po- pulled into the main categories. There's other ones like celebrating, um, you know, birthdays and different things like that you would do with family if you could. Um, but here's one, you make important decisions with community and in light of them Hmm. that's important there's distinction you make decisions with them and in light of them you see the difference yeah you're doing it with them so that you're like hey this is what i'm thinking through can you help me you know think through it i know that there's a a wisdom in a multitude counselors i don't see all things clearly i don't see myself i don't see the bible clearly help me um think through this and then i'm going to make the decision in light of how this would help my community and that part is like holy moly like that's crazy right like there's a lot of people who can sign on. Hey, I'm going to let other people like give me advice and wisdom. Even right. worldly people will go seek out mentors and hey, give me your advice. But this is I'm I'm getting your advice and I'm plus thinking how this would affect my community. Yeah, right. Like that's just next level stuff right mm-hmm. there. Right. Um, like you don't just announce I'm going to go up and leave my family. Hmm. You know, or you don't just like you know God willing, if you and Kate get kid have kids through any means. You, get, you don't just one day tell your family, hey, we're going to move. Yeah. Right. Healthy families like talk to them right. and coach them through. And, and you ultimately have to make the decision. You have to lead and so forth. But like you, you do it in light of them and with them. Mm-hmm. And that is super countercultural. Yeah. 
no, like our mindset is don't let anyone tell you what you ought to do. Right. And, and again, remember, like this is not a cult. Our mindset is loving one another, serving one another, the good or the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And we're doing, we're trying to outserve one another and outdo one another and showing honor. So it's not like a whole, oh, Hey, make sure you tell people and they're going to forever keep you because they're selfish. Right. Yeah. Like the, the mindset is a serving mindset, honoring mindset, not a self-serving mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you would want to do that with the church if everyone there is just self-serving, right? Yeah. Like that's why we need to be very free to bless people to leave our church if it's healthy for them and for the good for the kingdom mm-hmm. and not like, oh, well, that person ties a lot or that person has a lot of gifts and serves our church. Mm-hmm. It's like ultimately it's not about us. And yeah. so that mindset is hugely important. Um, mm. So that's a lot there. Now, if you've listened this far or maybe you can skip forward to this part, we're going to get into a section, uh, a question that's super important. And that's this, um, which family takes priority Hmm. because Jesus's calls to let the dead bury their own dead and, um, and to his, the people sitting around him in Mark three, that this is my family. Um, it sounds very anti-family. And in fact, there are a handful of verses that sound like that. You have to hate your mother and father and yet there's other passages that support honoring your father and mother. You're worse than unbeliever if you take out if you don't take care of your immediate family. So there's you know, anytime you study the scriptures, right, you have to take it all and use it all. And what is Jesus trying to do here? What is Paul trying to do here and put that all together right. carefully? Yes. So he so Jesus, when he called this new covenant family to himself, they clashed like crazy because with their biological families because the biological family was the foundation and the center of everything. And so therefore Jesus is saying my family is everything. Mm -hmm. So inherently there was going to be a huge conflict there. Right. And so if your family are not following Jesus and they're calling you to do things that would violate scripture or your conscience or the mission God has for you, you must say in the words of Peter, to the Sanhedrin, we will obey God over man. Yeah. And that may rip the your heart, the hearts out of your family at times, and that may break their hearts. But what, what is so important to do is that you bolster those actions up with so much love and that in every area that is is biblical that you can honor your family, you are you are exemplary in. Right. It is very common for new zealous believers to take one of those passages and just act like total jerks to their family, mm-hmm. taking everything out of context and not loving their family well. And I remember when I first became a Christian, I had a similar attitude to my parents. My parents were following Jesus, but my mindset was very like kingdom first. And right. yet I didn't do the dishes, <laughs> you know, like I didn't do the dishes. Right. Like I didn't listen to my parents. Well, I didn't do the things they asked me to do. All those things were non non conscious things, conscience things or unbiblical things I could have done. But I was just selfish, and I just put it under the guise or the veneer of spirituality. Mm-hmm. You got to be really careful there. Mm. Um, you see that that is just so common. Um, so, like, if you're going to go against your family's wishes and like move somewhere or join the mission field or take a certain job that would 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 be against their culture, but you know that the Lord is calling you and you have the community supporting you and that they really believe it's the Lord's will and not your just own whim. Um, then, then you just make sure that in every other way you are just outstanding in honor, showing mm-hmm. honor in every way mm-hmm. that is biblical. Um, 
Yeah. That's one thing I would say for um, uh, well, anything you would add to an unbelieving family if you're coming, and then we'll take a step um, towards if they're a believing family. Uh, towards if, if they're an unbelieving family yeah. and God is called. Um, yeah, I mean, the goal is always peace. Yeah. And your goal is that they would come to know Jesus mm-hmm. and, and that he is the greatest joy. Yeah. So helping lead them there in a careful way, yeah. um, showing them not not with rash decisions, mm-hmm. not with mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. not super black or white and in their face kind of uh, language, mm-hmm. rhetoric, but um, being really, really careful and patient and, and helping to present them. I'm, I'm, God has called us to the greater, greater joy yeah. and, and he is king ultimately. So I think there, Christ says division is inevitable. Yeah. That, that in this setting, division is inevitable. Uh, however, he has not set this up as the, as the goal. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> so, right. so peace is the goal, more disciples, the whole families knowing him, of course, but, but the, the reality is Christ has to be before all. Right including our family. And sometimes that's going to lead to division and and some major pain. That's right. And sometimes even your death, if you're in a Muslim family or or other religion. So, which is something that we have to remember because not only in Muslim context, but also through most of the first century context, when the early church was arrived, you would be totally destroyed in your family, um, relationally, sometimes physically, and it would rip their hearts to shreds. They would be so hard. Mm-hmm. And some people would say, look, well, I can't do that, or I can't say this, or I can't make this decision for Christ because it hurt my family. Yeah. Like, that's just not biblical. Like, that's just not what God, I mean, throughout history, that is the, the what happens. And, and I'm not saying that, like, you take delight in it. You yeah. do it with tears. Yes. But it's like, that is the, the cost following Jesus and what you're ultimately showing them either you're showing it now and they'll see it one day in eternity is that Jesus is more valuable. Yes. And that is a witness to them. Even if they, if they hate you in the process, it's It's, more loving to them. It is more loving. It is more loving in the end for them to, for them to see that, that, that Jesus is the greater treasure and, and much good. The family that you will receive is is better than any family that you can have here. Or like, it's um, right. It's, it's not as lasting. It's not as, yeah. as uh, yeah, it's not eternal. It's not an eternal. You, you, that's a good word. You are loving them by doing that. You mm-hmm. are unloving them and you are potentially damning them with a half-baked gospel mm-hmm. where you are showing them that you can follow Jesus just halfway mm-hmm. because you're afraid that they're hurt. Right. Obviously, you want to be sensitive to how things land. And so many times the way things can come across can be done better. And we want to be careful and strive for that. But at the end of the day, you have to choose Jesus and you have to say yes to his ways. Yeah. Um, so if your family is like, in a, yeah, there, there's so many different examples, but let's just take it to the next level. Um, what if the family, your blood family is, are Christians? Yeah. Well, if they're mature and godly and if what you're doing is in accord with scripture, they should rejoice. Hmm. And sometimes with tears. Right. Like, let's say you're, you tell your family, Hey, God has called me to go to this people group and I have a very high chance to die. Hmm. And if they're thinking through biblical lenses and not through self, self, um, protecting lenses and, and worldly ways, they would say, God be with you. Hmm. son. I will weep for you. I will pray for you. Right. There's, there's something really powerful and beautiful about that. But the reality is a lot of families, um, who are followers of Jesus, either are immature in areas. We all have immaturities and all have blind spots that they don't see. 
or they were not actually following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is another opportunity for you to show and teach and shape and display that Jesus is your greatest treasure yeah. by teaching them. And so like sometimes that means saying no to a gathering or no to something um, because you're choosing to disciple or love or serve someone. And it seems like, hey, Sam, why weren't you there? Or why can't you be there? And you're showing them priorities. Mm-hmm. You're showing them kingdom values. You were discipling them through it. And if they take offense of it, these are opportunities to say, hey, I'm sorry you're offended. Let's talk about it. These opportunities for you to work through conflict and speak truth and be loving. And again, this takes a ton of maturity because there is something very real about the parent-child dynamic of them knowing you when you were younger mm-hmm. and how immature we were, how rebellious and sinful yes. them wiped their And then now having the table shifted, if you've matured in areas or in general more than they have spiritually, mm-hmm. there's a very weird dynamic and it takes many years to catch up. Mm-hmm. Like you may have been mature, more mature than them and for, for a couple of years, but it takes some time for them to see you in that new light. Mm-hmm. And so they take it very offensively, rebelliously mm-hmm. disrespect. Mm-hmm. You just got to be so mature and wise in the way you couch things, the way you go about it. Um, but you have to show them and disciple your family um, that Jesus is is real. And if they're Christians, and maybe they will correct you and show you areas that you're not seeing it rightly. Yeah, you know, um, that's really good. There's, I've seen a couple times in, in ministry in the last few years. Um, there's this command to honor your father and mother yep. in Scripture, and um, there's a there's a cultural. Uh, different sometimes and especially with different um, ethnicities that what that means uh, to an American uh, born or, or, or uh, mm-hmm. yeah, somebody that's grown Second up in this generation. culture. Yeah. Uh, that, that could be very different from, from somebody that's grown up in a, a different culture, mm-hmm. like Indian culture, for example. Um, Eastern cultures, they, they have a different sort of yeah family uh, focus and, so, Sam, how oh, this is kind of even moving back, it kind of bridges both questions of whether unbelieving families are believing. But what what if what if it's a, a, a little bit more gray issue? So it's always more gray. <laughs> it yeah. seems like it is. Yeah. Um, there, what if you're wrestling with how do I honor my parents with this decision? Mm. How do I honor them and yet? choose to radically follow Jesus at the same time. This is something that I've seen uh, believers, faithful believers face many times. Totally. And so do you have any, any thoughts, any advice? Well, I have principles because every situation is different. Yeah. And I think the best way to go about it is press into your family and first make sure what you believe you're being called to is actually what God wants you to do. And do your it's church biblical. family? Yeah, or, your church okay. family. Yeah. And then ask them for advice and wisdom. Um, if possible, it's helpful to have someone who understands that culture, but it's not always necessary, mm. right? Like truth is truth and transcends culture. Even the culture is important to understand how to apply it wisely. Mm-hmm. And so you may miss understanding how to apply it wisely. If you're talking to a bunch of people from a monocultural background, they have no, like their cultural awareness is low, mm-hmm. but they still can help you discern if something's biblical and true. Mm-hmm. Um, often, um, you got to be careful there because culture is so tied in our interpretations, understanding scripture. That's also. true. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I just, I'd say like you pray more than you feel comfortable praying. Um, you fast, you seek the Lord, you search, search, search the scripture and you lean into your community, lean into leadership, let people speak in um, 
you know, maybe, maybe it's a situation where it's like, hey, those are those are those coexist. You can follow Jesus radically and still honor your family in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're actually creating a false dichotomy. It's not one or the other. It's both and. And then sometimes we'll say, you know, actually it is both. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I just think we, for something like this, especially with family, we can so be easily deceived in the way we approach our family. Like family's tricky. And like even the godliest, most mature people will sometimes suspend biblical values and beliefs uh, when it comes to their family, just because we just have a different blind, blind minders, you know, mm-hmm. like someone can be so bold sharing the gospel and they won't say a peep, peep to their family right. because it's their family. It's like, right. oh, you can't do that. Or I can offend them. Like we just kind of forget certain things. And I think it's helpful to have people speak in, especially with their family, because we can be so self-deceived mm-hmm. and can't see things clearly. That's that's any, any, you know, anyone add there? Cause that's, that's all I got because it's such a general thing and everything's so gray. I think it is a matter of principle, principles. Like, uh, I, I just love what you said that the family of God has your, your best interest in mind. They're looking at the scriptures and they're, they're saying together for, for, for throughout the ages, the church has, has interpreted scripture in these ways and people make hard decisions, uh, based on what we're reading. And, and sometimes, yeah, like like Sam's saying, we we're we're blind to certain areas, and we just need simply need the help. Yeah, we need the help of our brothers and sisters. So this just kind of all it all brings it full circle a little bit that the family of God, yeah, the family of God is is meant. God has brought us in, and it, it is for our joy. It is for our perseverance that we are in this family. It is it is for our daily. Uh, reminder of hope a daily reminder of hope um, is within this family that that we find uh rest joy <laughs> this is where we we, we meet god um, in that family i got one more thing that i forgot to say i wrote down as a note we can wrap it up on this i think um silence and solitude hmm. they're the, they are the twins of 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 community and a community that only focuses on being a family and community, but not focus on just being with Jesus alone also yeah. will destroy that family. That's good. We, we're not Jesus for each other. Like we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other, but we're not ultimately Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're his body, but we're not him himself. We're not the head. Christ is. And we need, there's something very, very uh, necessary of the, uh, and just look at Jesus's pattern of life. He was very integrated with people sharing his life. Mm-hmm. And yet he would isolate himself right. to go be with the Lord. Yeah. And it seems like communities can't do this. They either pick one or the other. Mm-hmm. Very, very isolated individualistically, individual, individualist in their approach, or they're very, very communal where no one knows how to be alone. Yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is really helpful. It's like if you can't be alone, he'll destroy the people. Yes. Got to be able to be alone and just be with God and open up your heart and speak to him. And then that would feed, that will feed your time with people mm-hmm. and your people time, healthy people time, godly people will feed your in, intimacy mm-hmm. when you're alone. Yes. They work, they're symbiotic. And so often we will either emphasize one and not the other. And, and we're just going to say every day, you got to be with Jesus. You got to have time with him alone. That's right. And you also got to have time with him, with others. That's good. So Sam, a brother said, uh, after your sermon, I, I've heard a lot of sermons, been mm-hmm. in the church for a long time, and I've never heard a sermon like this. I've mm-hmm. never heard uh, the church talked about as a family like this. Um, this is a really important word. 
We, we have a long way to go. Yeah. Um, this, this brother has, has grown up in the American church and even has been in very good churches. Yeah. And yet it seems like there's a disconnect. Um, Dang. We, yeah. we really need, we need God to, to really change us. And our prayer, we prayed right before we, we started this podcast that God would really make this to be the culture of, of all people's church and yeah. that it would really go beyond us yeah. into our our blood families that are you know in Christ yeah. and, and and into the, the churches of our city. So we, we just really pray and we believe that God can really shape culture um, as we live this out. Amen. 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 This is about him ultimately. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for this conversation. It was good. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you guys are helped.